You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Desaub here, back from NLC Convention, so back in beautiful Los Angeles. Excited to be joined today by 2017 NLC Kentucky fellow Katie Wright is here. Excited to always hear about that part of the country. Kentucky has some deep NLC ties, so let's get to it. Thanks for listening to The Zag. All right, Katie, I've only been to Kentucky once, and also had a convention there in Louisville a couple of years ago. Uh, when people come to Kentucky, what do you usually tell them to do? Well, of course, you have to drink bourbon, <laughs> <laughs> maybe catch a horse race. No, Kentucky is beautiful scenery. Um, the simplest thing to do is get in your car and drive through. It's beautiful. And that you've been there a long time, grew up there. What's your connection to the state? Yeah, I... Um, was part-time, always in the summer in Northern Kentucky, where my dad is. Um, but I'm actually originally from West Virginia, um, born and raised there. And then when you were a fellow in 2017, that was obviously right after the election. What were most top-of-mind issues for folks as you guys started in that January 2017 class? Yeah, so I moved to Kentucky in 2016 to work on a campaign. And so... Uh, the fellow class of 2017, we were all a little heartbroken in some ways. Um, and so we were all talking about what was next for us. Like, what did this mean for our separate communities um, across the state and across the nation? And and like many people, we were just trying to figure out what we were looking at as far as um, policies that might affect us with the new administration. And for us here in Los Angeles and in California in general, it's been so long since we've we've had national figures representing our state that weren't progressive. So what is the feeling at a time like that when you have such uh, especially prominent national figures, whether it's Rand Paul or Mitch McConnell, folks who are representing your state in such non-progressive ways? How do you kind of keep the hope going? How do you keep the momentum going that things could potentially change? Well, I'd say here here in Kentucky, we're pretty used to it with our governor. He was elected one year before. Um, I think the easiest way to keeping the hope alive is to go back to the saying of all politics is local in the sense that our community is what keeps everyone uh, from our class and, and, I, and myself grounded in the sense that we are able to um, continue to go back to our community and find those progressive people within our community that will help shed light and, and give us hope. Yeah. So when uh, someone asks you what you do for a living, how do you describe that? Yes, I am a field director um, and constantly working in campaign life. So jumping back and forth between many different campaigns and, um, but Kentucky votes every year, um, except uh, there's one off year out of every four years. So there's plenty of campaigning to go around. But I actually recently moved back for a campaign in West Virginia. Mm. And so when you decide when you're going to join a next campaign, what are your criteria for what's going to make that decision for you? Uh, that it is a movement that I want to be a part of, that it is a progressive movement that I see would make the community that I am part of better. Um, and overall, something that would, in my opinion, and my beliefs, move America forward. <laughs> and then how many different campaigns have you worked on in your career, would you say? 
gosh, probably six or seven. And so then when campaigns go well, what have been the the themes or the patterns that you've seen come together that prove to you, okay, if you can just do this, things are going to work out right? That's the funny thing about campaigns. There isn't. <laughs> there is no perfect thing that will that says if we do everything right, it works. <laughs> so when you come onto a campaign for the first time, what's your usual mental checklist of of seeing, or maybe not necessarily seeing, but taking inventory of of how functioning uh, the campaign is at the time? So when you hop on, what what kind of things go through your head? Yeah, um, who is our support base? So what's our volunteer? turnout like? Um, are we engaging local community members, um, local organizations? What does that look like? What does um, fundraising look like? Is it small dollars, big dollars, a lot of call time? Um, different. Those would be like the main things that I would check on first. Definitely. And then it gives a little scoop then on the campaign itself that you're on presently. What's the goal of the campaign? What are you trying to see come true? Yeah, so this is actually very exciting for me. I have never worked on a ballot initiative before, so um, there's no candidate to answer to, um, <laughs> which really changes things up. But here in West Virginia, there's a ballot initiative. Um, it's called Amendment One, and um, it is all about taking the constitutional right away for abortion. Wow. Okay. So the stakes are very, very high. And how have things changed in the last couple of weeks, given the Supreme Court nominee? That is a great, great question. So um, originally it was kind of um, scary in the sense that we're like, oh, this this is really close and it's going to be a hard fight. Um, and which is still true today, even with the Supreme Court nomination, but um, it's really engaged the base um, to want to come out and canvas and door knock even more. So that was a really great turn of events for us. And then do you have a sense what message is most supported when you knock on doors and hear people? Is it a case of it should be the freedom for a woman to make those choices? Is it some other type of argument? What do you find when you actually knock on doors and talk to people? Um, it, it Well, several different things. It depends on the person. Um, but what seems to be working really well with um, people is uh, there is no exception to this. Um, so there's no exception language for um, rape, incest, or harm to the mother's life. And something that extreme really um, doesn't sit well with people no matter where they are on the spectrum of choice. Um, and then the other thing that's been working very well is not wanting to take people's rights away. So this is the first time in West Virginia's constitutional history of over 150 years that they would actually be taking their rights away from people. Hmm. And so that messaging makes people nervous. No one wants to have rights taken away, especially in 2018. Especially in 18, absolutely. When we come back, I have some more follow-up questions on this ballot initiative in West Virginia and life in not California, progressive near the beach uh, places. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Zag. We'll be right back. So do you have a sense, is there a way for progressives to not have to be on the defensive so much on this issue of pro-choice and abortion? So many 
states now are, are have so many different types of laws restricting access, restricting timelines, all sorts of things. Is there a way you see for progressives to be more on the offensive trying to protect this right rather than always having to uh, kind of hold the line and defend as best that they can? Had you asked this two weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, I think there's a way. <laughs> but, um, the Supreme Court case has me a bit nervous that maybe being on the offensive is a further way than than I would have liked to anticipate it. So I want to ask you about ballot initiatives. Here in California, we're inundated every election cycle with tons of ballot stuff, everything from are we banning single-use plastic bags to should California be split into three states? They're getting stranger and stranger and darker and darker money is funding them. Is that the same for West Virginia? How does the ballot initiative process work out there? Yeah, it's not as common as it is in California. Um, Matter of fact, I don't believe that we have them very often at all. And so it is very unique and especially one that is um, this controversial and taking rights away. Um, But each state has their own constitution written a little differently. And so um, I guess it works for California or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, last thing then, give me the the scoop of what you would want us to look at in terms of politics in West Virginia or even nationwide as we get closer to the midterms. What kind of things are you paying attention to? What kind of things are you watching? Yeah, I am excited. Um, in West Virginia, we have a huge Senate race. Um, one of the, as he's been deemed, red state Democrats, Joe Manchin is up for re-election. Um, so we have that big federal race on the ballot. And then, of course, um, everything matters. Uh, Our mayor to our school board um, to your city council matters. And um, it's exciting to see that every race is filled um, with both Democrats and Republicans so that everyone has a a clear and fair choice. And um, because Kentucky has become my second home, um, I would love for people to keep paying attention in Kentucky because after November, we have a very heated governor's race coming up and um, people have already started announcing for governor's bid in 2019. Nice. Well, we'll definitely watch it. Thanks for giving us the scoop on Kentucky and West Virginia. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can catch all past episodes, including the five or six that we did from Houston last weekend in NLC convention. You can find those in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you name it. It's there. Thanks for listening. We'll have more episodes coming soon. Until then, take care.